super awkward funcast. You're listening to the super awkward funcast. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the super awkward funcast with your hostess, Elle Latham. I hope you're having a great Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day it is, uh, Friday, Saturday. Um, let's start by setting the mood because you probably have seen that this episode is titled The X-Files. What does that mean? Well, let's just get right to it after this plane goes by. I'm not starting again because I started again already and it's not happening, bitch. But that's the super awkward fun cast for you. Always so fun and awkward and super awkward fun stuff happens. So here we go. I try to, to uh, whistle to that every time I watch the show and I fail. So I didn't, I didn't butcher it in this broadcast. Um, but anywho, um, you may have noticed if you've seen my YouTube channel that I have been doing super awkward fun reviews of this show, The X-Files. Um, for quite some time, for at least three weeks at this point. And I started with season one, season two, season three. Now we're on season four. I'm on season four. <laughs> It'll be ready soon, but um, I'm doing every season until the end and I'm doing the movies and all of that. So self-promo time, that's, that's the self-promo portion. <laughs> and then also, you may think, oh, wait, is this about the X-Files, this episode? Since it's called the X-Files, that would be a logical assumption. But no, it is not. Because you may have heard, or you may not, but I'll tell you, Twitter is now called X. And I tried to get on it. I literally tried Twitter.com on my, la my laptop, on my tablet, and it did not work. It said too many redirects for whatever reason. And so that's fun. Um, we're gonna get into that, but first we should do some alien shit since we were talking about the X-Files. So you may have also heard <laughs> that a, a hearing has happened, an impossible hearing uh, of monumental proportions according to the media. Like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? But it's uh, about aliens or UFOs to be exact. And I'm going to stop it before it starts. There we go. And then get out of ambient mode because I hate it. I don't know if I'm alone on that. I really don't care. So let's, you know, give a little background of what happened. So this was on four days ago. So this was pretty recently on the 26th. 
of July. This is by CBS News. So it says, House lawmakers hold a hearing Wednesday to examine how the executive branch handles reports of unidentified anomalous. Why can't I say that word? Anomalous phenomena, also known as UAPs or UFOs. By the way, I was under the impression before that it was unidentified aerial phenomena. I could have sworn that's what it was called at some point, but I guess it was always anomalous. Is that a fucking Mandela effect or something? I don't get it. The House Oversight's National Security Subcommittee heard from three witnesses, including a former Navy commanding officer with first-hand knowledge of how the government has handled reports of U.S. US UFO sightings. So this was on CBS. It wasn't on all the news programs, but it was on here. And I'm going to go to like the most relevant portion that people were like, uh, you might want to listen to this part, uh, 149 in the hearing. It is two hours and 19 minutes and, and five seconds. So it's not that long compared to every other hearing in the world. Um, I watched it while multitasking as I do. I do that with the X-Files as well. Uh, let's skip to the, the most important part. Alright, so this is the questioning by somebody named Mace. I don't know some of these people at all, but they're in the house, so good for them, I guess. With David Grush. So you'll hear, you'll see his name and hear his name a lot. He's the main guy. And the funny thing about him is that his, he has the most outrageous testimony, and yet there's no proof. There's no evidence, no physical evidence that he can provide to the hearing to back up his statements. So it's really interesting. Um, and this reminds me of an episode of The X-Files, actually, because, and I talked about this in this new video that's coming out on the 2nd, so it will be premiering on the 2nd. So if this is the 31st, and it should be, <laughs> um, you have until the second to prepare for my next super awkward fun review and i will mention this there so you're gonna kind of a sneak peek but in one of the episodes titled jose chung's from outer space there is a cover-up of extraterrestrial stuff like abductions and stuff by the government who is faking abductions and hip hypnotizing people and making them seem so crazy with all of their stories um, that nobody believes them. So it's a way to discredit the people who come forward um, and make them think that things happened that didn't happen. So it's a good psyop, you know, and it could be happening in real life. This could be part of that. Like if you listen to this dude's testimony this dude keeps like saying, oh, I'll get in trouble or whatever. I can't say anything more, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you're not saying much of anything. You're saying what people want to hear, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people would like to hear what he's saying. It's crazy. But ultimately, this isn't going to move the dial in any direction. And it's not going to provide transparency, as is in the title. Households hearing on UFOs, government transparency, or lack thereof, I guess. And now they're having this whole thing where after his testimony, the, the, the U.S., I mean, the, the military is like, oh, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And he's, 
you know. So it, it seems like it's going the direction that I think it's going, but I don't know. I've just been around a while and I can see when bullshit is in my face. But here is the crazy part of the testimony. Enjoy, I guess. Let's try and back it up so it makes a little sense. Hold on. If I'm allowed to back it up. Let's see. I have time. Feel there was a good reason to prevent lawmakers from having <laughs> access to this footage. No, I just think it was ignored. Oh, there is a guy with with evidence. He's the one with the tic-tac that's always called TikTok for some reason in this thing. It's almost like they're trying to get you to think of China, which they do later by implicitly stating stuff about China. So there's a lot of propaganda going on in this thing. I recommend watching it and with a very critical eye and ear um, and hear all the propaganda going on like about China and everything and, and the spy balloon, which comes up a lot. Oh, but it's not a partisan hearing, guys. It's totally not partisan, not political. It affects us all, guys. It affects us all. And by the way, I'm using a new mic. New mic. A mic that I've never used before. So I have backup if it fucks up. But I hope that it sounds legit because it's a lapel mic. And those are quite different. And I have to scooch it, actually. Let me scooch it. All right, we've scooched the mic. We're getting ready. This dude was talking. He's a commander, Fravor. They say his name wrong a lot. Um, and he talks about the Tic Tac thing. And then Mace talks to the other guy, Grush. Boards as classified weapons testing by our own government. But in your experience as a pilot, does our government typically test advanced weapon systems right next to multi-million dollar jets without informing our pilots? No, we have test ranges for that. Still on that guy. It took over 15 years for your encounter with the Tic Tac to be declassified. Do you feel there was a reason to prevent lawmakers from having access to this footage? No, I just think it was ignored when it happened and it just sat somewhere in a file. Never got reported. In a drawer. It happens a lot up here. <laughs> Shocker. Um, Mr. Grush, uh, a couple of questions for you too, sir, this morning. Um, what percentage of UAPs do you feel are adequately investigated by the U.S. government? Of the 5% that are reported. <laughs> um, I can only speak for uh, my personal leadership over at NGA. I tried to look at every report that came through that I could mm -hmm. triage. So. Do you believe that officials at the highest levels of our national security apparatus have unlawfully withheld information from Congress and subverted uh, our oversight authority? There are certain elected leaders that had more information that I'm not sure what they've shared with certain Gang of Eight members or et cetera, but uh, certainly uh, I would not be surprised. Okay. You say that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this 
documentary evidence is video, photos, eyewitness? Like, how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Gotcha. Yeah. They can't get a skiff, but that's a different story. But, uh, have you noticed, like, I'm, I'm just noticing certain things, listen, watching this back and listening to it. Um, there's a lot of going on, right? Y'all are hearing that, right? What is that? Like, is that a tell? I feel like that's some kind of tell. It's gotta be. Um, there's stuff he's not saying, there's stuff he is saying, and the stuff he is saying, he's been permitted to say, right? So... What of his statement is true, we don't have any evidence to back it up. So it's just like, it's hearsay, right? So it's interesting. Um, let's continue. Um, okay, so, and, and you may or may not be able to answer my last question and maybe we get into a skiff at the next hearing that we have, but who in the government either, what agency, sub-agency, what contractors, who should be called into the next hearing about UAPs, either in a public setting or even in a private setting? And, and you probably can't name names, but what agencies or organizations, contractors, et cetera, do we need to call in to get these questions answered, whether it's about funding, what programs are happening, and what's out there? I can give you a specific cooperative and hostile witness list of specific individuals um, that were in those. And, and how soon can we get that list? I'm happy to provide that to you after the hearing. Super. Thank you. And I yield back. Now we have Mr. Langworthy's here. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, all of the witnesses for being here today uh, to discuss this very unique topic. Another, but from someone else. Is everybody just having a problem speaking when that's their job? Uh, and I'd like to jump right into my questions, if you don't mind. Uh, Commander Fravor, can you briefly describe your background? Oh, yeah. Let me. Ooh, let me actually interject my with myself <laughs> and say that I do that. I do that a lot when I do the X Files reviews when I'm reading my notes. So they have notes that I'm. Everybody has notes in all these kind of hearings, right? So there, that might be what it is, is that, I don't know what that's called that I keep doing, you know, the thing. But the clicking or whatever, it's, I try to get it out of my audio as much as I can, but there was only so much I can do, guys. I try my best. But, yeah, I'm not going to do it this time because it's an example. But I was just thinking, like, yeah, maybe they're just looking at their notes and they're trying to make sure that they get everything correct. So I'm probably looking deeper into it than I need to. Listed Marine, Naval Academy graduate, Navy, flew for 18 years, got a master's from University of Houston, uh, and I've worked in the private sector for the last, what now, 19, 16 years, 17 years. Also, this guy, he smiles a lot at this point, and it's like, why is he smiling so much? It's just things that I'm noticing they're just not, they're not, it's not going together the way it should. If you're pr pretending, if you're acting, you should be better at this. But they're not actors, actors, so it comes off as very 
rehearsed for me as an actor? I do a lot of defense work. So really gold-plated credentials. Uh, Commander Fravor, have, uh, we've all seen the floating Tic Tac video uh, that you engaged with on uh, November 14th, 2004. Can you briefly talk about why you were By the way, whenever they say Tic Tac, I'm imagining it, that it's the size of a Tic Tac. And I don't think it is. It's just the shape of it. But it sure does sound very m minuscule. It's, it sounds small. It sounds like a no big deal kind of thing. And I think that's on purpose off the coast of San Diego that day. Yeah, we were at a workup with all the battle group, so we integrate the ships with the carrier, the air wing with the carrier, and we start working, so we were doing an air-to-air -air defense to hone not only our skills, but those of the USS Princeton when they had been tracking them for two weeks. The problem was that there was never manned aircraft airborne when they were tracking them, and this was the first day, and unfortunately, we were the ones airborne and went and saw it. Do you remember the weather that day? Was it cloudy or windy or anything out of the ordinary on the Pacific coast? It was actually, if, if you're familiar with San Diego, it was a perfect day, light winds, no white caps, clear skies, not a cloud. It was, for flying, it was the best. Now, is it true that you saw, in your words, a 40-foot flying tic-tac-shaped object? That's correct. Or for some people that can't know what a tic-tac is, it's a giant flying propane tank. Fair enough. Did this object come up <laughs> on your radar or interfere with your radar or the USS Princeton? The Princeton tracked it, the Nimitz tracked it, the E-2 tracked it. We never saw it on our radars. Our fire control radars never picked it up. The other airplane that took the video did get it on a radar. As soon as it tried to lock it, it jammed the radar, spit the lock, and he, he rapidly switched over to the targeting pod, which you can do in the, uh, the F-18. From what you saw that day and what you've seen on video, did you see any source of propulsion from the flying object, including on any potential th thermal scans from your aircraft? No, there's none. There's no uh, IR plume coming out. Uh, and Chad, who took the video, went through all the EO, which is black and white TV, and the IR modes, and there's no visible signs of propulsion. It's just sitting in space at 20,000 feet. In, in your career, have you ever seen a propulsion system that creates no thermal exhaust? No. Can you describe how the aircraft maneuvered? Uh, abruptly, uh, very determinate. It knew exactly what it was doing. It was aware of our presence, and it had acceleration rates. I mean, it went from zero to matching our speed in no time at all. Now, if the fastest plane on Earth was trying to do these maneuvers that you saw, would it be capable of doing that? No, not even close. And just to confirm, this object had no wings, correct? No wings. Now, was the aircraft that you were flying, was it armed? No, it never felt threatened at all. If, if the aircraft was armed, do you believe that your aircraft or any aircraft in possession of the United States could have shot the Tic Tac down? I'd say no. Just on the performance, it would just left in a, in a split second. It looks like that we have a problem here that needs further investigation. <laughs> yes. Uh, in your belief, is this this flying Tic Tac, I mean, is, this, is it capable of being the product of any other nation on the Earth? No, I actually said, like I said earlier, I think it defies current material science and the ability to develop that much propulsion. And I, I know there's been some physicists that have done calculations, which is beyond anything that we have. Well, either the United States has an adversary here in this world that we don't know, or we really have some serious investigations to do. I, I really appreciate you being here. 
Um, is there anything else about the November 14th, 2004 incident that you think is important for this committee to know that you haven't been asked here today? No, I, I, you know, it's, it's been said it's probably the most credible UFO sighting in history based on all the sensors that were tracking it and then for us to get visual and to go against the naysayers and it's something on the screen or whatever. I mean, there's four sets of human eyeballs. We're all very credible. Of the six of us that were involved in the thing, including the video, every one of us is going to do 20-plus years in the military in very responsible positions. So I'd say the world needs to know that. This, it's not a joke. Well, thank you very much for your testimony here today for all of you, and I yield back, Mr. Chairman. It's not a joke. Yeah, he's the one who's, like, smiling the most. That's so funny that he said that. Anyway, you know, aliens, yay. You know, aliens 2024. Anyone else? Anyone else? They'll do a better job with our planet. And just make them the president of the planet. I, You know... It's fine. All right, we're going to stick with CBS News for the next article, which is bringing us back to the X-Files. So um, I thought I was being very clever because the Twitter files happened, and I'm hoping people will notice that the X-Files, the Twitter files, is the same fucking thing except different owner. So um, hope you guys noticed that. If you didn't, you already know it because I just told you. But um, maybe you got it before then. Lucky you. Good, good job. Um, but anyway, it's X now. I'm not calling it X. It's still Twitter. It's still the shithole website it's always been for me. Um, so my bio will not change. <laughs> Check me out on Twitter, at L. Latham. Um, I can still tweet. My, I haven't logged out yet, so nothing's changed mobily. Anywho, um, this is bringing us to Money Watch uh, in CBS News, their website. So it's called Twitter is now X. Here's what that means. And it's not playing anything. So let me see if I can play this. All right. Play it. Why do you give me a pop-up and then not play it? That's so rude. I'm going to clean my screen while I wait. That seems like a good way to spend my time and yours. Oh, they reinstated Kanye West, who's not Kanye West. I thought he was just yay now. All right, that thing isn't going to play, so I'll just read the article. Don't worry about it. The Earth, the Earthernet. I was going to say the Earthernet. Well, I already said it now. Too late to go back. Anywho, the internet. Oh, this is actually written by Irina Ivanova. And this was on July 25th, 2023. Show you now. All right. The internet is a buzz as the app formerly known as Twitter announced a name change over the weekend. Like it was out of nowhere. Oh my gosh, we just heard about this for the first time ever. It's not. <laughs> X.com now redirects to Twitter.com, although the social media platform still invites users to tweet. The rebrand is another step in the ongoing transformation of Twitter, an online watering hole, that's not what I refer to it as, but okay, for hyper-connected people, people who have little time for anything else, that aspires to become an app that can do everything, according to CEO Linda Yaccarino. Remember that, dude, that chick? 
Uh, Twitter was acquired by X Corp both to ensure freedom of speech and as an accelerant for X, the everything app, billionaire Elon Musk posted on Monday. The Twitter name made sense when it was just 140 character messages going back and forth, like birds tweeting, but now you can post almost anything, including several hours of video. In the months to come, we will add comprehensive communications and the ability to conduct your entire financial world. So that's not alarming at all. And I also predicted, well, I didn't predict this, but I, I talked to you about this before in previous episodes and everything about the X Everything app, like the, the future of the financial services thing that he wanted to do. A very, well, we'll get to it uh, in depth. But also, I wanted to say, because he said, you can tweet anything now. Yeah, because you made it that way. It wasn't that way before, but you wanted to usher people into it with a false sense of security and get them to pay you money on a, way, on a monthly basis so that you could get this app running the way you wanted it to and be like, a kind of competitor to many financial institutions and stuff and bring about that world and they will possibly lead us into the metaverse because what what else would be the point of having a social media platform with these capabilities um so if anyone's verified they're paying so that they can speak and as i've said before and have been censored while doing so it's not free speech if you pay for it. <laughs> if you have to pay for it, it ain't free speech, Elon. Elon got mad at me. He he shadow banned me. He did all kinds of things. Suspended my account and stuff. Like, he's he's come after me on Twitter, and not me personally, because he doesn't know who the fuck I am. I'm not stupid. But people like me, who don't have the reach that other people have, who don't have the same followers as other people, and other in any media accounts and everything who don't have the capabilities um the resources who don't have the verification most importantly because if you're not verified you're basically nobody so that's really nice to see that that never changed so but it did change because at least when i was unverified i still had some engagement I promote things and hardly anyone ever, you know, replies or whatever. And it's not because I believe that they are just not seeing my shit or not caring about my shit. They're see they would see it, but they're probably not seeing it because I'm hidden. I believe my account is hidden from certain people, even my followers. I don't think see the stuff in my account. And I have noticed in my timeline when I'm scrolling through, I see a whole lot of verifieds, a lot of verified accounts that I follow and that follow me, and I wonder if that's the case across the board, you know. So anyway, um, then they have a tweet here, John Ehrlichman, companies that change their names, Amazon Kadabra, Best Buy, Sound of Music, eBay, Auction Web, Facebook, Meta, Google, Backrub, what? Instagram, Bourbon, what? Netflix, Kibble, I do not remember that. Nike, Blue Ribbon Sports, Pepsi, Brad's Drink, who's Brad? 
Playboy Stag Party, 7-Eleven Totem Stores, Snapchat, Peekaboo, uh, that one's the worst, and Starbucks, dot, dot, dot. Then Elon responded, Twitter was acquired by X-Corp both to ensure freedom of speech and as an accelerant for X, the everything app. This is not simply a company renaming itself but doing the same thing. The Twitter name made sense when it was just blah, 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 says the rest, and then it says show more. And I love the show more because I'm not showing more. I'm not reading your fucking long ass tweets, dumbasses. Excuse me, not dumbasses. He's a dumbass. But all the other people, I'm not reading your tweets. That's too much time to spend. I, I have better shit to do. Here's what the shift means for X as Musk seeks to reinvent Twitter, which he bought in 2022 for 44 billion. And you didn't think he was gonna just buy it and just leave it alone and not do anything with it that serves the agenda, the major agenda, the WEF adjacent agenda, the WEF, WEF by any other name agenda. He may not be WEF affiliated anymore. He's not anymore a young global leader, but he was at one point and we cannot forget that. And maybe he's not invited or he doesn't go to the Bilderberg meetings. But he knows about them. He knows people in them. Come on, guys. What will the app do now? Musk has been vocal about his goal of turning Twitter into a so-called super app, something akin to China's WeChat, which is not at all something that concerns any of us. For now, there's no American equivalent to such an app, but industry experts imagine an app that encompasses basically anything a person wants to do online. Consumers of the app can do a lot of th different things on the platform, whether it's listen to a podcast, shop, watch videos, said Ni Aheni, chief strategy officer of marketing firm Tinuiti, whatever that is. Twitter already lets users engage in live audio conversations, which we didn't have before he got a hold of this shit. Or before, right before he got a hold. I feel like spaces happened right before everything went to shit and my birthday happened and he acquired the damn thing. But <laughs> spaces was never going to happen for me. I'm not dumb enough. Well, I don't want to say I'm not dumb enough. I'm already giving them my data. Obviously, I'm dumb enough to do that. But I'm not going to do that on top of that, give them access to my microphone. I'm just not going to do that. Anyone else, feel free to do that. It's your data. It's your voice. It's your audio. It's your AI problems, maybe in the future. I'm not going to do it. That's, I'm different. <laughs> I'll give my audio access or my uh, mic access to other websites. <laughs> but not Twitter. I don't trust Twitter enough. Eh. Twitter already lets users engage in live audio conversations, send longer text, message, text messages, and broadcast videos such as the new show former Fox host, Fox News host, Hucker, Tucker Carlson, recently, Fucker Carlson, no, Tucker Carlson, 9-11 um, conspiracy hater, <laughs> Tucker Carlson, recently launched on the pl platform. If Twitter's push into paid subscriptions is successful, 
It could eventually expand into sharing some subscription revenue with users, which is how they'll get around like, they'll be like, but you can share the profits and people are already falling for that. I see it all the time. Like, oh my gosh, my revenue, blah, blah, blah. And this is the thing, like, it shouldn't be about revenue. It should have been about, isn't it about free speech, Elon? No, it's not. It's about money. It's always about money. Also, I've never watched Tucker Carlson's show. I'm not watching a 40-minute video on Twitter. Unless there's something very new in it. It's a documentary that is very relevant with information that I wouldn't be able to get elsewhere very easily. And I shout out to... Um, I already forgot his name for a second. Damn it. Deluxe. Da Jamie Deluxe for having some good documentary content on Twitter and whether I believe that he should be verified and give his money to them or not, you know, whatever, but I mean, it's your choice, whatever, but I do appreciate the content, I'll say that, even though I hate the way it came about. So in theory, they can become a more mainstream version of Patreon or other similar platforms, and he said, whether they succeed remains to be seen. It's not the reason people go to Twitter today. So to reposition the company would take significant investment and time with what's really a skeleton team. What's with the letter X? <laughs> Musk appears to have a long-standing fixation on the letter X, dubbing his very first startup X.com. After a merger, the app became PayPal, although... Musk reportedly will push for it to keep the name X, according to my biographer Walter Isaacson. After buying Twitter, Musk reportedly texted Isaacson that he was very excited about finally implementing X.com as it should have been done, using Twitter as an accelerant. The letter X surfaces throughout Musk's other endeavors as well, including his space exploration venture SpaceX. His recently launched artificial intelligence app, XAI, and the Model X, one of electric car company Tesla's earliest models. Musk even refers to his son with gen gender. I was going to say gender. I said it anyway. With Singer Grimes by the name X. It's just X, the letter X, he said on the Joe Rogan experience recently, explaining how to pronounce his son. I'm not even going to try that name. He regained ownership of X.com six years ago. He formally changed Twitter's legal name to X Corp in April. Over the weekend, X.com was redirected to Twitter.com, and on Monday, a crane began to move the iconic bird logo from the, the company's San Francisco headquarters. However, police stopped the work soon after it began. What does this mean for Twitter? For now, the platform's rebrand is just a name change. No new features have been introduced, staying true to his apparent preferred product strategy of hype first, delivery much later. But the name change suggests Musk is likely to keep control of the company for the near future, said Bloomberg intelligence analyst Mandeep Singh. After Musk's takeover in April of 2022, some observers believe the billionaire could make some changes to Twitter and quickly flip it to a different owner, Singh said. That option is off the table now. Given the name change, I don't think there's any other prospective buyer who will take it now, he said. What are the roadblocks? To be sure, there are many ways an, ev an everything app could fail 
from simply confusing its users to struggling to attract enough advertisers. If you look at what Tesla's done in terms of advertising, which is very little, Musk's belief is that good product sells itself and you don't need to advertise it. Meanwhile, you have many, many large brands and companies that spend millions of dollars on Twitter and would beg to differ said Aaron Goldman, chief marketing officer for Media Ocean and advertising partner of Twitter's. Expanding the platform's reach to include things like shopping and paid subscription content could actually help it flourish in the long term by creating several revenue streams and making it less reliant on large companies' willingness to spend money, analysts said. In the short term, building out those capabilities would require a massive investment in staff and infrastructure. It's far from clear if a company that slashed about three-quarters of its staff and is now embroiled in multiple lawsuits over unpaid bills can deliver that. The investment is a lot in terms of cloud infrastructure. We're talking about $40 billion, $50 billion in upfront investments, Singh said. Twitter as a standalone app doesn't have the infrastructure to become an everything app. And yet here we are. And then we have NBC News, because we're not going to just read one of these. We're going to read all of them. Everything to know about the everything app. So let's see if we get any more information here on this rebrand. And we're not going to read the whole thing, thankfully. Khadijah Kujir wrote this July 25th. Same day, huh? Same day. Interesting. Okay. Apple, Amazon, eBay, Uber, Spotify, PayPal, Venmo, Meta, Electric Arts. What is Electric Arts? Electronic Arts, sorry. EA! EA! They call that EA. I don't know why they put electric, electronic arts. And Nintendo, that's just a sampling of the companies Elon Musk could soon be competing with. And yeah, the Apple Vision Pro thing, yeah. Um, Twitter's rebrand X is more than a name change. Musk has trumpeted the move as the biggest step yet in the transformation of what was once a humble microblogging app into an everything app. He has shared snippets of his vision for this app dating back to his initial acquisition of the company, pointing to China's WeChat app as something of an inspiration. You basically live on WeChat in China because it's so usable and helpful to daily life, and I think if we can achieve that, or even get close to that as at Twitter, it would be an immense success, he said in June 2022, during his first meeting with Twitter employees. It's a vision that has that was echoed by CEO Linda Yaccarino on Sunday. So this is what I wanted to get to. I was hoping they would show this. X is the future state of unlimited interactivity centered in audio, video, messaging, payments, banking, creating a global marketplace for ideas, goods, services, and opportunities. Yaccarino, who previously led ad sales at NBC Universal, wrote in a post on X. NBC Universal is the parent company of NBC News. Yeah, I couldn't figure that out, thanks. Building an everything app comes with an, any number of challenges, ranging from fierce competition from well-resourced rivals and upstarts to regulatory barriers and consumer preferences. Aiming at giants to become the corner, the corner, to become the center of digital activity, Elon Musk's 
X, formerly Twitter, will have to muscle past several established competitors. So payments is PayPal, his rival, Venmo, Cash App. If you recall, Cash App came from Twitter CEO at the time, Jack. So there is some kind of like interesting, like it was kind of gonna go that way anyway, I think. So even if we didn't get Elon in charge of everything, Jack would have maybe been in charge of everything. That was probably the plan, and then it changed. So keep that in mind. There are many, many moving parts, many different people establishing things on purpose to serve an agenda. Banking, Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, video, TikTok, YouTube, audio. I, I wonder why they didn't put Instagram in there. Instagram has video too. Audio, Spotify, Apple Music, Commerce, Amazon, eBay, Food Delivery, DoorDash, Grubhub, Gaming, Nintendo, Sony, Electronic Arts, or EA. Since we already have these apps that already have millions of users and a reasonable amount of engagement, what is that novel that Twitter will offer us that we won't get already from all these other apps that we have, said Anjana Susarla a professor of responsible artificial intelligence. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you keep, you keep talking. At Michigan State University. Everything apps, as Musk likes to call them, are popular in Asia. In China, WeChat integrates instant messaging, social media, and payment services all into one app. So other super apps such as Grab in Singapore and Gojek in Indonesia have also been successful in Asian markets. While super apps are ubiquitous in Asia, the model has yet to gain a foothold in the U.S. and European markets, according to CB Insights, a company that analyzes tech industry trends. Maybe the biggest challenge will be in making Twitter a financial powerhouse, something Musk has mentioned many times. Davidson Oturu, a managing consultant for financial st technology startups said that X would lag behind Apple's established financing services such as Apple Pay and Apple Pay Later. And again, this is not, this is all together. Like it's all, they're all moving together towards a certain direction. Apple Pay, that was like, uh-uh, fuck that shit. Google Pay, I think there's a Google Pay too. Nope, not doing that. There's a plane, we're ignoring it. Being able to get people to leave Apple and the ecosystem it has created to come to Twitter to carry out banking and financial transactions, there's going to be a stretch. Fintechs find it difficult to move customers who have been using banking for a long time to come out onto their platforms, so it's really going to be quite difficult to make people switch brands, he said. Musk's Everything app would also face tighter regulations on data privacy in the US. United States and Europe, according to a Deloitte report on Western super apps. Oturu said China has a very opaque system around data privacy rules. You can't compare that to the United States and the parts of the Western world. He added that consumers could also be wary of such an app. If I'm going to use X and I want to have it as an everything app before where I bank, shop, chat, buy products and services, I'm going to be sharing a lot of data on that platform. Mm -hmm. I don't know how comfortable people are going to be putting all of that data into an everything app, Oturu added, but they already put it in the cloud. The cloud already exists. I'm just saying. Musk's moves 
toured and everything app come as the company continues to struggle. Twitter's advertising revenue, its main source of income, was down by almost 50%, he said earlier this month. The tour noted that Musk's experience with PayPal, which formed after a merger between Musk's online bank, x.com and software company Confinity could be an arguable point that he could build payment features into the microblogging site. Susarla said X's existing user base was its own was its one potential to transition into a super app. There is already a broad set of people who are using Twitter or X and I think they will still continue using it. Uh, not me, bitch. <laughs> Alright. Now we go to CNBC. So much NBC. Let's see if there's anything new in this. This is talking about the China WeChat thing, which is interesting. Um, they had like a good video about this too. Where are you not? It's not loading. Well, that's just grand. Well, we've gotten into it anyway, so we'll go to this report from what uh, golfnews.com so fuck you NBC you don't want to work for me WeChat versus X Twitter know the similarities and differences why everything app battle set to hot up I think they mean heat up but they're Asian I'll let it slide super apps could disrupt entire industries where winners and losers are yet unknown this is July 25th again all on the same date Jay Hilton Senior Assistant Editor and Infographics by Fidget Pulikai, sorry, Assistant Production Manager. Uh, this says, the competition among everything apps is set to get heated up. Oh, they said it right here. The cause is the arrival of X, which Twitter hatched. <laughs> That's cute. At least that is what billionaire Elon Musk intends to accomplish after spending $44 billion to buy the popular microblogging platform which he renamed X on Monday. Popular platforms. Twitter, X, and WeChat are two well-liked social media platforms, but WeChat has something X doesn't have, and Musk, keenly aware of this deficiency, has made it an aspirational platform to emulate. WeChat has third-party apps, live streaming, mobile payments platform and digital giving service known as red packets these are key features that make it useful and contribute to its popularity over 10 million 30 third-party apps are available on me on wechat developed by tencent a chinese company not just a chinese company it's the one that holds a lot of fucking investments and one of them is in spotify just so you know WeChat is predominantly used in China with an estimated 1 billion users. What Elon Musk wants. Prior to buying, then rebranding Twitter, he had declared his admiration for Twitter. He, hadn't, he hasn't hidden his admiration for WeChat either. He once told a podcast, check snippet below. Where's the snippet? I don't see it, but okay. Um, we don't have an app that is as good as WeChat in China. Like in China, like in China you can live on WeChat basically. You do payments, you do everything. WeChat is kick ass. We don't have anything like WeChat outside of China. So I was like, my ideas was, my idea was, how about if we just copy WeChat? Twitter X based in California currently counts more than 
450 million users and is a more widely used platform globally. A widely dispersed user base is one key thing Twitter X has which it could use to its advantage. WeChat versus X. However, WeChat currently leads the way in terms of user base. As a super app, WeChat's flexibility is unmatched, though it's a relative latecomer in the game. WeChat has taken the upper hand in global digital payments, opening so many doors for businesses and transactions on the platform. A number of YouTubers rave about how they were able to link WeChat Pay with their foreign banks without necessarily securing a Chinese bank account necessarily. WeChat versus X, similarities, differences. X is poised to enter the finance realm. WeChat has completely dominated. It is understood that X's move would initially target a service rollout in the U.S. where microblogging has a huge herd of X adherents. What are the similarities and differences between the two? They do have distinct features and purposes. Year founded 2010 in Guangdong, China for WeChat, 2006 in California, USA. Founders Alan Zhang, Pony Ma, and then the founders of Twitter Jack Dorsey, Noah Glass, Biz Stone, and Evan Williams. Current owner Tencent, current owner X Corp, Elon Musk. Users 2023, $1 billion, $1 billion more, more than $1 billion, my bad. About 450 million for Twitter. What it can do: third-party apps, mobile platform, mobile payment platform, digital giving service, text messaging, hold-to-talk voice messaging, broadcast one-to-many messaging, video calls, video conferencing, video games, photo and video sharing, location sharing, and poll. And then on the Twitter side, third-party apps text messaging, hold-to-talk voice messaging, broadcast one-to-many messaging, video calls, video conferencing, video games, photo sh and video sharing, location sharing, and poll. And then similarities, social networking. Both WeChat and Twitter are social networking platforms that allow users to connect with others, share content, and interact with posts. Messaging. Both platforms offer messaging capabilities. Twitter allows users to send direct messages to each other. WeChat, on the other hand, is primarily known for its messaging features, enabling users to send text messages, voice messages, images, and videos to their contacts. Content sharing. On both WeChat moments and Twitter feeds, users can share content with their followers such as text updates, photos, and videos. Made for mobile. Both platforms are primarily used on mobile devices and they have dedicated apps for iOS and Android. Differences. Audience and reach. WeChat has a large user base primarily concentrated in China with over a billion active users as of 2021. Twitter, while popular worldwide, has a smaller user base compared to WeChat. Country of origin. WeChat is developed by Tencent, a Chinese company, and is predominantly used in China. Twitter, on the other hand, is a US-based platform that is widely used globally. Features and functions. WeChat is an all-in-one all, all app that offers a wide range of services beyond notial, notial, social networking, including mobile payments, ride hailing, 
food delivery, and more. Twitter now X, however, focuses primarily on social networking and microblogging, where users can post short messages, tweets of up to 280 characters, expanded recently for certain users. Hashtags. X popularized the use of hashtags to categorize and discover content, while WeChat allows the use of hashtags. They are not as central as the to the platform's functionality as they are on Twitter. Global versus local. X is a global platform used by people from various countries, making it a diverse platform for discussions and news sharing. Re WeChat, on the other hand, is mainly used within China and serves as a vital communication tool within the country. In 2022, WeChat touched 811 million users in China, accounting for 57.9% of the total population. About two-thirds of all users of WeChat are located in China. Starting at 968.32 million in 2021, the number of active users on WeChat is estimated to reach 1.102 billion in 2025. On Monday, as part of a wider rebranding, X launched its new logo, logo replacing the familiar Bluebird. Musk also replaced his own Twitter icon with a white X on a black background and posted a picture on Monday of the design projected on Twitter's San Francisco headquarters. Okay, challenges. To be sure, it would make it would take more than a change of logo for Twitter X to reach what WeChat has achieved. It's now in the hands of a team of some of the world's top coders to bring to life the functionalities Musk himself, a competent programmer, envisions. It would include payments and banking alongside audio, video, and messaging. It remains unclear how X's digital payments functionality would look like. A beta version would could be announced following. A beta version could be announced followed by a live commercial version. Super app. So then says WeChat has helped transform China into a digital payments powerhouse. It is the network of choice of more than a billion users to do everything from sending text, photo, video messages, and making payments. Such as much as apps have redefined phones, and everything app could disrupt various industries from banking to global trade. With X, Musk provides a vision of a future different from what we know today. It represents the potential of the banking ecosystem of the future, un sorry, uniting messaging, payments, and e-commerce in a single app. Recently appointed ex-CEO Linda Yaccarino explained that X is envisioned as an AI-powered, they didn't say that before, but that's what I read and it was disturbing. Um, global marketplace for ideas, good services and opportunities. So the one who was going against bots all this time, Elon, is going to use AI in a good way for Twitter, for X, whatever. And then it says, what does Twitter X have that WeChat doesn't have? One could argue a global hashtag brigade, a local local gosh darn it i cannot talk i'm so sorry a loyal base of power users a microblogging brand used both by individuals and institutions for now musk's vision for x can be summed up by what he said recently over time it would be half of global financial system it's an ambitious target Musk has already demonstrated a rare ability to disrupt industries such as digital payments with X.com, PayPal, Rocketry with SpaceX, 
transportation energy with Tesla, it can be difficult to predict a conclusion in a world where rebranding occurs quickly. AI and computer codes do greatly enhance our lives and creative destruction has become the norm. So yeah. Also this is not Asian. I'm sorry I said it was Asian before. <laughs> Gulf is not Asian. There I said it. Alright. Then there is a little more background into Elon and what he has been about in the past. So this is from July 27th from infirst.com. I'm not really super familiar with this uh, specific website, but this is from Time. It says a complete timeline of Elon Musk's business endeavors, Time, by Charles Miller. So let's go with it. Um, just giving you a background about it. Like, we gotta know what we're dealing with, right? And the players in the game. With Elon Musk close to claiming a new role as owner of Twitter after a winning bid. Oh, this is from 2023, but it's it seems to be from before. But anyway, we're let's continue. After a winning bid to purchase it for $44 billion this week. Yeah, this is definitely old. Um, the billionaire entrepreneur can add the social media app to a long list of business ventures he has led, invested in, and supported over his lengthy career. So we start with, um, along with his brother, he founded Zip2, an online business directory, as an online alternative to the standard paper Yellow Pages. Google would not launch until, two, until 1998. He sold it for over $300 million in 1999 to Compaq Computer Corporation. Remember them? I remember them. I had a Compaq laptop once. It was it was a brick. A big brick. <laughs> um, also, that reminds me. Okay, so the fact that this dude is always selling shit. Like, how can you be angry? And he has been angry, remember? Uh, about OpenAI and everything. But you gotta be angry about, like, not having your company anymore when you were the a part of selling it. Like, nobody forced you into selling it. Or maybe they did. I don't know what the fuck they did. But anyway, you sold your shit. You got your money. It was all about money. And then it's not about money. Then it's about ego. It's all about ego with this fucker. Um, anyway. Then we have X.com, an online bank, launched with three other co-founders. X.com's business model was innovative for its time in that it incentivized signups and eased the process of transferring funds digitally with no need for mail or traditional banking infrastructure. In an interview with CBS Market Watch at the time of the launch, Musk explained his business. There are no minimum balances. You can open an account and receive a $20 promotional offer in your checking account. You can move $8 to your S&P fund, $3 each to your money market and bond fund, and be left with $6 in your checking. He went on to exp expand more philosophically on the new company. In my view, the internet has gone through a couple of had gone through a couple of stages and was ready for another stage. The first stage was where people could trust the internet for information. This was perhaps 95 or 96. The second was to trust the internet for purchases and begin to use credit cards online to buy books, toys, pet food, and that kind of thing. I think we're at the third stage now where people are ready to use the internet as their main 
financial repository. X.com merged with software company Confinity, like we said before, just one year later, forming PayPal, a secure online payments platform with a foundation in payments conducted for Palm Pilots. PayPal would go on to be one of the, his most successful companies. Musk and his partners, including Confinity co-founder Peter Thiel, also Bilderberg, sold it to eBay in 2002 for a $1.5 billion stock deal. However, it was a rough start. PayPal was named at one point as one of the worst business ideas of 1999. And Musk himself was again removed from his role as CEO while on honeymoon in 2000, replaced by the board with Teal. After going public on the NASDAQ stock exchange in 2002, eBay snapped up PayPal. They would hold on to PayPal until 2015, spinning it off into a separate entity. Musk met not the Musk next it's a hard one set his sights that's what she said on a lofty goal space exploration and the future colonization of Mars in the past 20 years SpaceX has dealt with a series of rocket launch failures and starship explosions but it has also become a heavy hitter in the space industry with a number of records to its name including being the first private company to send a craft to the International Space Station and send astronauts to orbit. It is known for its reusable rockets. It's also behind the development of Starlink, a constellation of satellites intended to offer commercial internet service around the globe. Founded as a 501c3 PO, sorry, nonprofit organization, the Musk Foundation is one of Musk's least talked about endeavors. Its stated goals include Ooh, we got a money laundering operation here. Cool. Supporting renewable energy and pediatric research and ed education and the developing of safe artificial intelligence to benefit humanity. Between 2002 and 2018, it handed out around $25 million, about half of that to OpenAI, a company owned by Musk himself. Since 2012, Musk has also been a signatory of the Giving Pledge, in which many of the world's richest people have committed to giving away the majority of their wealth at some point, maybe before they die. These days, I added that. Musk is perhaps best known for his leadership at Tesla, the electric car company that owns the market, basically, is corner of the market, um, named after famed inventor Nikola Tesla. He's so proud. Valued at over $1 trillion at one point in 2021, Tesla was founded in 2003 by two other men, not surprising. Musk entered a Series A funding round with an investment of $6.5 million and eventually took an increasingly active role in the company. He stole it. He has been CEO since 2008. The Model 3 is the most popular electric car in production today with over 1 million units sold globally. Tesla has come in for its fair share of controversy, however, from dealing with long production and fulfillment delays to safety issues with its vehicles, you know, it blowing up and shit, and employee complaints about working conditions and management practices. Founded by his cousins in 2006, Solar City received Musk's patronage from the outset, the offset, sorry. I feel like it should be outset, but it's offset, so we're gonna say that. He was their primary, primary and financial backer. 
a solar energy company that became the leading residential solar installer in the U.S. by the mid-2010s, Solar City installed solar energy systems that were leased to residential users. Musk via Tesla acquired Solar City in 2016 for $2.6 billion in stock and incorporated it into its operations as te Tesla Energy. Musk co-founded OpenAI as a nonprofit in 2015 with a for-profit artificial intelligence research lab component. It was started with a $1 billion collective pledge from its founders. Musk has been open about his interest in developing friendly AI that supports humanity, because that's what's going to happen. But he ended up resigning from the board in 2018 due to conflicts with Tesla's AI projects. Another research endeavor, Musk co-founded Neuralink, we're getting to that now, in 2016 with the goal of working on brain-machine interfaces, or BMIs, that can be implanted directly into the body. Nothing wrong with that. Neuroscientists have been skeptical of Neuralink's research and claims. While they currently conduct experiments on animals, they move plans to begin working on human subjects to 2022, now 2023. Um, founded with the intention of helping dispel city traffic via underground tunnels and a subsidiary of SpaceX, the boring company is one of Musk's side projects. Its aim, build tunnels. They first experimented by tunneling under the SpaceX factory in California. The Boring Company became an independent entity in 2018 and in 2021 completed a tunnel project in Las Vegas to shuttle visitors beneath the Las Vegas Convention Center. It is currently working on further tunnel projects in Las Vegas for underground transport. No, it's not. Uh, I read another article. It's not. Uh, it's, it's, it's stalled. Uh -huh. Other projects are primarily speculative. Musk once b spoke boldly about an ambitious Hyperloop system, he hasn't done anything yet, creating tunnels across the country to revolutionize and speed up underground mass transport between cities. However, Hyperloop mentions have been scrubbed from the Boring Company's website. After b buying up enough stock to ma make him a majority stare shareholder shareholder by april 1st musk made the move to purchase twitter for 44 billion dollars at the end of april his plans include making twitter better than ever which is a resounding success right guys by enhancing the product with new features making the algorithms open source to increase trust defeating the spam bots by having an ai powered network and authenticating all humans but not really. All right. And then I got to read this one because July 20th, 2023, Christiane, there's a lot of A's in there, Hetzner. This is Fortune Magazine. Elon Musk wants Tesla and Neuralink to build a cyborg body to turn amputees into the bionic man. So that's happening. In the 1970s, when Elon Musk was just a child, actor Lee Majors portrayed the $6 million man and injured test pilot 
born again with enhanced abilities thanks to the help of bionic implants. The Tech Messiah now wants to create the $60,000 man in real life by having engineers at his Tesla and Neuralink companies work together to design prosthetic limbs for amputees. By combining a Neuralink implant and a robotic arm or leg for someone that has their arm or leg, or all arms or legs, amputated, we believe we can give basically a cyborg body that is incredibly capable, he told Tesla investors on Wednesday. I think it would be incredible to potentially help millions of people around the world and give them an arm or a leg that is as good, maybe long-term better than a biological one. However, the two companies are still some distance from demonstrating they can accomplish anything of the kind. Tesla only began to conceive a humanoid robot in 2021 and is taking its first steps in developing purpose-built actuators to enable rudimentary limb movement for such a machine. Neuralink, meanwhile, convinced the Food and Drug Administration in May, I love that it says convinced, to approve a first human clinical study for its brain-machine interface chip, but it has not demonstrated this can actually be of any real use. Okay, I love the shade in this article. Yet Musk is known for his boundless confidence and sheer optimism. Perhaps his true grift, grift that was a, a Freudian slip if ever, perhaps his true gift is an ability to gather together some of the best minds working on the most challenging problems of the day, like OpenAI's Ilya Sutskiver, and recruit them for his cause. On Wednesday, he explained how he convinced Apple's then-director of product design, Charles Kuhnman, to work for him because he could offer the engineer the chance to work at both Tesla and SpaceX. Musk is, however, also a showman that borrows ideas from science fiction and gives products names that reference pop culture to make them instantly relatable. His Optimus humanoid robot was taken from Hasbro's Transformers toy line, while the plaid that dis de designates a certain performance version of the Tesla Model S and X is borrowed from Mel Brooks' 1987 Star Wars parody, Baseballs. Musk has a habit of promising the moon. The Tesla CEO also has a penchant for making outlandish promises, prompting allegations some claim may be some claims may be fraudulent. In 2015 he likened the construction of his fabled hyperloop tunnel, which which aimed which is what they meant, but they said with which aimed to transport people from New York City to Washington, D.C. in 29 minutes to something essentially akin to an air hockey table. I swear it's not that hard, he told CNN, laughing at the possibility it could actually be more complex than he might conceive. Nearly eight years later, the best his boring company has managed after claiming it would finally test the technology in 2022 is a Twitter post of something that resembles nothing like a pod running on air skis. Before debuting an initial working prototype of his Optimus droid, he predicted his army of robot butlers would only shit would one day usher in an age of abundance where humans would no longer have to chase after scarce goods and resources. Upon unveiling last September, three men needed to gingerly push the machine onto the stage. 
Confronted about his more wildly unrealistic predictions, he's been known to sheepishly shrug his shoulders and say the public shouldn't have believed them so easily. I don't want to blow your mind, but I'm not always right, he told TED Talks' Chris Anderson last April. Where his latest cyborg idea ranks on the scale of ideas is yet to be determined. And then there's this uh, bit of information you might want to be privy to. Um, this is from MD and DI QMed. It's like a whole big science, uh, medical science kind of website. Um, so this has the information on his Neuralink. What's going on with that, you say? Well, let me tell you. Elon Musk's Neuralink and UC Davis accused of deadly monkey experiments. This is from February 14, 2022. Going back in the past, Amanda Peterson wrote it. The Physicians Committee for, Committee for Responsible Medicine, a national nonprofit group, filed a state lawsuit and federal complaint against the University of California Davis for violations of the Federal Animal Welfare Act related to invasive and deadly brain experiments conducted on 23 monkeys. Yeah, I have to bring back the monkey thing because this is just insane and stupid. And this dude's going to be in people's heads, and that's not okay. Um, UC Davis received more than $1.4 million from Elon Musk's company Neuralink to carry out the experiments, according to the complaint. Citing documents obtained in 2021 through a public records lawsuit, the complaint alleges that most of the animals had portions of their skulls removed to implant electrodes in their brains as part of Neuralink's development of a brain-machine interface. The group has also filed a second public records lawsuit in Yolo County Superior Court in an effort to obtain videos and photographs of the monkeys. Neuralink addressed the allegations in a blog post on its website, although it is not clear when the post was published. Recent articles have raised questions about Neuralink's use of research animals at the University of California Davis Primate Center. It is important to note that these accusations come from people who oppose any use of animals in research. Yeah, me. I'm one of those people. Currently, all novel medical devices and treatments must be tested in animals before they can be ethically trialed in humans. Neuralink is not unique in this regard. So everybody else is doing it, so we should be allowed to do it. And Neuralink, we are absolutely committed to working with animals in the most humane and ethical way possible. Except they might die every once in a while, right? Uh, the physical committee, the physician committee, uh, accuses Neuralink and UC Davis staff of failing to provide dying monkeys with adequate veterinary care using an unapproved substance known as bioglue that killed monkeys by destroying portions of their brains and failing to provide for the psychological well-being of monkeys assigned to the experiment. Bioglue, a surgical a surgical adhesive manufactured by CryoLife is approved by FDA, contrary to the Physician Committee's press release. Okay, thanks for that. The group says that it's all good now. Makake monkeys, sorry, used in the experiment were caged alone, had steel posts screwed to their skulls, suffered facial trauma, seizures following brain implants, and Recurring infections at implant sites. If that's what we have to look forward to in humans, I'm ready, man. Sign me up. 
In some cases, as a result of deteriorating health, Neuralink and UC Davis euthanized monkeys, just like PETA would want them to, before they were even used in the planned experiment, the group says. UC Davis may have handed over its publicly funded facilities to a billionaire, but that doesn't mean it can invade transparency requirements and violate federal animal welfare laws, says Jeremy Beckham, research advocacy coordinator with the Physicians Committee. The documents reveal that monkeys had their brains mutilated in shoddy experiments and were left to suffer and die. It's no mystery why Elon Musk and the university want to keep photos and videos of this horrific abuse hidden from the public. In a statement provided to the to MD plus DI, UC Davis confirmed that it did have a research collaboration with Neuralink, which concluded in 2020, and that the research protocols were thoroughly reviewed and approved by the campus's institutional animal care and use committee. The work was conducted by Neuralink researchers in facilities at the California National Primate Research Center at UC Davis. UC Davis staff provided veterinary care, including round-the-clock monitoring of experimental animals. When an incident occurred, it was reported to the IACUC, which mandated training and protocol changes as needed, according to the statement. We strive to provide the best possible care to animals in our charge. Animal research is strictly regulated, and UC Davis follows all applicable laws and regulations, including those of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which makes regular inspections and the NIH Office of Laboratory Animal Welfare. Well, we know the NIH loves to help animals in every way. I mean, the beagles, the beagles and Fauci is so great. The UC Davis Animal Care Program, including the California National Primate Research Center, is accredited by AAALAC International, a non-profit organization, UC Davis said in the statement. The university also noted that as a national primate research center, the, N the CNPRC is a resource for both public and private sector researchers. Neuralink states in its blog post that initial studies at UC Davis used animal cadavers and terminal procedures, animals that had been deemed healthy enough for one aesthetic anesthetic event, but may not have proper quality of life due to a pre-existing condition. These animals were assigned to our project on the day of the surgery for our terminal procedure because they had a wide range of pre-existing pre conditions unrelated to our research, they said in the blog post. In addition to pre-existing conditions, these animals may have happened to lose digits throughout their life from conflicts with other monkeys. Missing digits are often a result of rhesus macacus. I'm never going to get that name right, sorry. Resolving conflict through aggressive interactions with one another. No such injuries occurred at any time to animals housed at UC Davis while part of Neuralink's project. The company said the initial work from these procedures allowed Neuralink to develop its surgical and robot procedures, establishing safer protocols for subsequent survival surgeries. Survival studies then allowed the company to test the function of different generations of implanted devices as it refined them toward human use. The use of every animal was extensively planned and considered to balance 
scientific discovery with the ethical use of animals. As part of this work, two animals were euthanized at planned end dates to gather important histological data, and six animals were euthanized at the medical advice of the veterinary staff at UC Davis. These reasons included one surgical complication including involving the use of the FDA-approved product, BioGlue, one device failure, and four suspected device-associated infections, a risk inherent with any percutaneous medical device. In response, we developed new surgical protocols and a fully implanted device design for future surgeries. Well, then we have a little bit of a follow-up here from channelnewsasia.com. Definitely an Asian website. Um, this says business. Regulator says found found no animal welfare breaches at Musk firm beyond 2019 incident. So it's all good, guys. Don't worry about it. This was written July 19, 2023, so pretty recently. The head of the U.S. agency responsible for animal welfare has told lawmakers that it did not find any violations of animal research rules at Elon Musk's Neuralink beyond a 2019 incident the brain implant company had already reported. Officials with the Department of Agriculture, USDA, conducted a focused inspection in response to a complaint about the company's handling of animal experiments, but identified no compliance breaches, the agency's secretary, Thomas Vilsack, wrote to Congressman Earl Blumenauer, Nauer, Blumenauer in a July 14th letter reviewed by Reuters. I'm thinking this is originally from Reuters. The inspection included visits at Neuralink's two facilities in 2023, January 2023, Vilsack wrote, adding that there would be more inspections. Musk has expressed grand ambitions for his brain implant startup, saying its chip would allow healthy and disabled people alike to pop into neighborhood facilities for speedy surgical insertions of devices to treat obesity, autism, depression, and schizophrenia. He even sees them being used for web surfing and telepathy. Yeah. Neuralink is preparing to test its brain implant device on humans. Yay. Vilsack said in his letter his agency did not include in its inspection citations an adverse surgical event at Neuralink that occurred in August 2019. The company proactively reported it and took corrective action, which complied with the policy at the time. Vilsack added, the USDA changed its rules in 2021 so that self-reporting and violation no longer avoids a citation. How convenient. In the 2019 incident, a Neuralink surgeon used a sealant to close holes drilled into a monkey's skull that had not been approved by the Animal Research Oversight Panel, according to emails and public records obtained by the Physicians Committee of Responsible Medicine, y'all heard them before, an animal welfare advocacy group. The complaint that triggered the latest inspection was made in February 2022 at UC Davis, which we were just talked about. It alleged the company carried out 
Deadly experiments on 23 monkeys between 2017 and 2020. Neuralink ended its collaboration with UC Davis in 2020. Since then, the USDA's Office of the Inspector General, at the request of a federal prosecutor, has been investigating potential animal welfare violations amid internal Neuralink employee complaints that its animal testing experiments were being rushed, caused causing needless suffering and deaths, Reuters has reported. Through interviews and internal documents spanning several years, Reuters identified four experiments including, sorry, involving 86 pigs and two monkeys that were marred by human errors. The mistakes weakened the experiment's research value and required the tests to be repeated, leading to more animals being killed. Vilsack offered no update on the progress of the OIG probe. Should the OIG investigate the Neuralink facility and find that USDA should take additional actions, we will fully cooperate to take those actions, he wrote. Neuralink and OIG representatives did not respond to requests for comment. Blumenauer, Blumenauer, why can't I say his name? Blumenauer responded by calling for greater urgency in the probe. I urged the Office of the Inspector General to quickly conclude their investigation and make public their findings, he said in a statement. Ryan Merkley, PCRM's Director of Research Advocacy, said the USDA was giving Neuralink a free pass. U.S. lawmakers had also raised concerns to the USDA about potential conflicts of interest in an Animal Research Oversight Board after Reuters reported it was filled with company insiders who may stand to benefit financially as the firm made progress with its goals. Vilsack wrote that the law required the Oversight Board include an attending a veterinarian and an individual unaffiliated with the research facility or its employees to provide an unbiased observer a threshold that Neuralink formally meets. He said the agency's inspectors generally review such records and protocols which should surface any conflicts of interest. The Food and Drug Administration recently granted a company request to begin testing its blurring implant device in humans. It initially rejected Neuralink's request for a human trial last year, citing safety reasons, Reuters has reported. Even after FDA clearance, the company faces other challenges. The Department of Transportation is probing whether Neuralink illegally transported dangerous pathogens on chips removed from monkey brains without proper containment. So there's that. And then in other news, in other biological, oh shit, we're in a dystopia news. Let's have a WEF update, shall we? I'm going to leave you with a WEF update. Enjoy. World Economic Forum writes this article, which is not much of one. Uh, I guess I'll read both of these articles because there are two here. But it says here, these sensors can see if your tomatoes are stressed. Have you read? These low-cost sensors are helping Uganda tackle rising air pollution. I guess I'll read that. Sure, fine. This is supposed to be a video, though. I'm kind of confused, but whatever. Are they not letting me read this? That's hilarious. Okay. Something's wrong with their website. (laughs) 79% of plants remaining on Earth must be saved to meet UN climate goals, study says. Sure. Let me go back. Let's see if I can go back. We have to go back. 
Okay, we got we got some videos here. Let's see what we got here. Let me see if I can find this tomatoes or sensors. Let's say sensors. I'll do it live. Sensors. Why? Damn it. Alright, this website is fucked up. Anywho, maybe if I put it in the Twitter, Twitter, put it in the YouTubes. Let's go to the YouTubes. Oh, let's have an update. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention this. Update time. Not WEF related, real quick to word from the White House that it will help Taiwan counter China with a military aid package worth $345 million. It is historic, and ABC's Mary Alice Parks is following it all from Washington. Good morning to you, Mary Alice. Yeah, Gio, good morning. This is big and historic, and the big question now, how will China respond? What makes this package so unique is that the U.S. is drawing on its own stockpiles, sending U.S. equipment straight to Taiwan, which allows this kind of machinery to move a lot faster instead of sending money to Taiwan to buy new weapons. This is a very similar strategy the U.S. has used with Ukraine. Now, we are told this package includes anti-armor and air defense systems. Lawmakers have been pressuring the administration to move quickly to counter threats from China. They authorized up to a billion dollars in this sort of weapons aid for Taiwan this year. China views Taiwan, which has its own democratic government, as its territory. And we have seen Beijing really increasing the military threats, even this last month, sending dozens of warplanes and Navy ships around the island. But of course, the U.S. has promised and is committed by law to helping protect Taiwan. A defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, said overnight that this is really a defense package. It's clearly designed to help deter any kind of attack on the island. With. All right, Mary Alice Parks, thank you. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos. That sounds like a good idea. All right, here's a sensors thing. I found it. It's from Innovative Farmers. Let's see what this says. Oh, dear. It's one of these propaganda videos where it has this music and then it has like an overlay of text. So I'll just read it, I guess. APS produce, produce, produce. APS produce sh grows 20. No, I won't. Fuck it. <laughs> Let's find a better one. Let's see here. So, um, just in an organic piccolo crop at the moment, uh, just flowering on the second truss. And I'm going to set up a sap flow sensor and stem diameter sensor, which is uh, part of a project with APS and Innovative Farmers. Uh, the idea is that we can look at the water balance within the plant uh, and try and reduce food waste. Uh, if we end up with uh, the plant being too wet or having too much water within it, uh, we can actually get split fruit. Likewise, if it's too dry, we can get a reduction in calcium movement, 
Uh, and then we get uh, something called Blossom End Rock, which is rotten. Okay, that was really boring, and I, like, fell asleep for a second. Um, anyway, tomato sensors, yay, fun. So that Taiwan thing, let's go back there for a second. <laughs> um, remember I was telling you about the CBS, uh, well, it's not CBS related, but the, um, the UFO hearing or whatever. So there's a part in here where they talk about China. Let's skip to that part. I'm just gonna skip to something and hopefully that'll be China. <laughs> Cause they talk about China a lot. And national security. I'm trying to remember which dude said China so much. I think it was that guy. Let's go to that guy. Not that guy, he's a Democrat. Blue, whatever this guy's name, Burkett or whatever. As a senior technical advisor for UAP issues, and final, finally, retired Navy command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Americans have joined us in the fight. For Hold on. Uh, it was the, uh, the opening for of decades it. in great. But as we all know, that's sometimes difficult for the public to get a hold of. I report defense intelligence uh, reference documents, advanced space propulsion based on vacuum, space-time metric engineering, some light reading for some of our members. Without objection. Thank you. Um, you know, Mr. Knapp wrote, since 1969, the position of our military has been that UFOs pose no threat to national security and are not wor worthy of further study. I'd say that's the biggest understatement of the decade. Um, he also goes on to talk about the dismissive attitude and said odds with what was revealed in documents, reports, and internal memos. Mr. Cabrell says, uh, as, he, as he writes these words, the UFO is emerging as a major topic of global importance. Um, but why? State that as a fact. Out there, I met a fellow who came in here all the way from Denmark to be here for this, this meeting. So this is huge. This is worldwide. I think we, um, we suspect what's going on, but I'd also like to thank the members of Congress who have supported our efforts to make this hearing happen. Some have even confided to me that they've had UFO sightings of their own. Those members, of course, some of them wish to remain anonymous, and I'll keep it that way. But also, finally, I'd like to thank the, these three brave <laughs> witnesses here. They took an oath. All right, and then the that's Burchett, Burchett, whatever his name is. He's going to interview them. For a short period of time, went down to our just having the airplanes there's back. Thank my co-sponsor on that. That'd be really cool. Thank you for those great questions, um, Mr. Graves. Again, I'd like to know um, how do you know that these were not our aircraft? Some of the behaviors that we saw in a working area, we would see these objects. Uh, being at 0, 0.0 Mach, that's zero airspeed over certain pieces of the ground. So what that means, just like a river, if you throw a bobber in, it's going to float downstream. These objects were staying completely stationary in category four hurricane winds. These same objects would then accelerate to supersonic speeds, 1.1, 1.2 Mach, uh, and they would do so in very erratic and, and quick behaviors that we don't, I don't have an explanation for. Okay, have you spoken to um, commercial and military pilots um, have seen these off of our east coast? I have. Okay. Um, Mr. Fravor, I noticed that um, uh, the Tic Tac video, uh, it's Tic Tac, like the candy. 
not TikTok like the uh, Chinese communist uh, app. That's correct. Yes. See, <laughs> you gotta just, you gotta just get that in there, don't you? Got you. You can't not have anything politically. You know, it's it's just interesting because they're all like in the beginning. Yeah, this is gonna be super not political. Like it's all like about the world and whatnot. It's not. It's bullshit. They're bullshitting us as usual. This is bullshit. I uh, I do have you know a little something creepy to say about WEF because I have found this from July seventeenth and I haven't read it yet, but I'm sure it's very illuminating. In collaboration with Accenture, social implications of the metaverse. The metaverse is projected to amass a staggering value of one trillion dollars over the next three years, indicating rapid adoption and acceleration through technologies such as generative AI. Let's download it a second and we'll see what it looks like here. Well, where we're allowed. Are we allowed? We are! Awesome. No thank you. I do not want to do that. Maybe I don't have that ability. Anyway, it does say in this report, uh, it says, in this report, the social value creation work stream presents a holistic understanding of the implications of metaverse adoption on individuals across the dimensions of access and adoption, psychological and physical well-being, DEA, DEA, sorry, Freudian slip again, DEI, sustainability and economic empowerment. It encourages an international dialogue for strategic development and regulatory guidance. An accompanying release from the government's work stream focuses on metaverse privacy and safety, striving for a metaverse rooted in human-first principles. Achieving an economically viable, equitable, and socially conscious metaverse requires careful consideration of human rights, which you don't care about actually, equality, and sustainability. By incorporating these values into the design and development of the metaverse, we can create a digital realm that empowers all individuals, ensures equal opportunities, embraces diversity, and safeguards the well-being of its users. And I trust the me I trust the WEF metaverse lovers. They they know what they're doing, right? They're they're really on top of things. So I trust them. I give them all of my trust. Thank you so much. Go on, Klaus. Let's go. So that's where we're at. Um, I'm gonna go into more AI talk in the next episode, which will be I did not get to SAG strike last time. If you noticed in the live stream, which I was supposed to on YouTube. So I will go ahead and get to that. I'm going to do a, devote a whole episode to the SAG strike and AI and the implications and the writer's strike. And all of that shit is going to be a part of that episode. So it's going to be really interesting, hopefully. And um, hopefully not as articled as this. And I apologize if the articles were very boring or whatever. Um, I tried to vary it up. A little bit but it's the x-files what do you expect so the x-files thanks for listening to the episode um i'm on mines now for reasons so check me out at l latham um youtube x-files reviews um again coming out soon on the second the next episode they're in parts part one part two 
That's how I'm doing it now because it works for everyone, I think, and the views are better. So I, I retain the audience more in that format and I've shortened it. I've changed it up a lot and hopefully you'll enjoy that change if you are listening or watching. I hope you're watching and listening because I work very hard on the edits and I don't want the visuals to to not be there. Okay. Anyway, I'm going on too long. I'm sweating as fuck. I'm sweaty as fuck. I can't even speak. I'm so sweaty. <laughs> it's hot as fuck here. Hopefully it won't be hot as fuck at the end of the month when I do the next episode. So we'll see. But um, have a good August. Try to chill as much as possible. Go outside. Touch grass. For real though. Touch it. It feels good. But only with your shoes, because touching it with your hands is just nasty. Don't do that. Alright, that's my advice, I guess, for the day. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, keep on keeping on. No one 2024. Actually, Aliens. We're, we're on the Alien bandwagon, right? Aliens 2024. Thank you very much. Bye-bye now!